Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. There are growing concerns about COVID-19 hospitalizations across Southern California. Since late last month, the number of people hospitalized with COVID has increased by nearly 50% in Ventura and San Diego counties, and by more than 35% in Los Angeles and Riverside counties. The numbers are also up in San Bernardino and Orange counties. Los Angeles County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says the number Numbers are especially concerning with the anticipated rapid spread of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. We have uh, not as much flexibility in our healthcare system this year as we had last year. We have staffing shortages that we already are facing. We have a more active flu season in front of us. Ferrer says with numbers increasing, it's important that people be safe and take precautions when it comes to holiday travel and gatherings. California's Workplace Safety Agency has extended the state's COVID-19 workplace regulations into next year. But with one big change, vaccinated and unvaccinated employees will fall under the same guidelines when it comes to close contact with someone infected with the virus. Currently, vaccinated employees are still allowed to come into the workplace even after a possible exposure, as long as they test negative for COVID and aren't showing symptoms. But starting January 14th, vaccinated workers who have possibly been exposed to COVID-19 will have to quarantine for two weeks or wear a mask and stay six feet away from others. During a meeting of CalOSHA Standards Board yesterday, Anastasia Nicole Wright with WorkSafe, a labor advocacy group, agreed with the decision to extend the rules. It should be employees over profits and any, any technicalities or issues in enforcing the rules should be dealt with and accommodated in order to keep employees safe. But many business leaders argue that the rules are going to make it even more challenging to operate. Here's Brian Mello with Associated General Contractors of California. Given the anticipated supply issue and adding cost on employers, AGC of California feels expanding testing to vaccinated individuals with no symptoms after close contact is an inefficient use of testing supply. Leaders in the business community say this could disincentivize people from getting vaccinated and further worsen the state's labor shortage. The U.S. Supreme Court will take up a case that could sweep aside efforts to allow California workers to sue their employers even after signing arbitration agreements. KQED's Rachel Myro has more. The case stems from a lawsuit brought by a former sales rep for a cruise line under a California law that allows employees to sue over labor code violations. But the conservative-leaning U.S. Supreme Court tends to favor employer-friendly arbitration. California 
is likely to be slapped down. Stanford law professor emeritus Bill Gould says the high court is unlikely to agree California law supersedes the Federal Arbitration Act of 1925. This will enhance employer strength. It will diminish whatever limited rights employees have. A decision is expected sometime next year. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. State regulators have approved a settlement with Southern California Edison for the utility company's role in starting five wildfires in 2017 and 2018. Under the terms of the agreement, Edison will pay more than half a billion dollars in fines and penalties in connection with the Thomas, Woolsey, Rye, Myers, and Liberty fires. Shareholders will pay a $110 million penalty to the state's general fund and put another $65 million towards safety measures. The settlement also prohibits the utility from tapping ratepayers to cover $125 million to insurance claims for the Thomas fire and $250 million for the Woolsey fire. Investigators found that SoCal Edison's equipment sparked the blazes. While many of us were able to stay inside during this week's storms, People living outside were struggling to stay warm and dry. In Santa Cruz, an encampment along the San Lorenzo River flooded. KAZU's Jeremiah Edding was there. City officials estimate about 200 people live in Santa Cruz's San Lorenzo Park, also known as the Benchlands Encampment. It's located on the banks of the San Lorenzo River. I spoke with Monica, who wasn't comfortable sharing her last name for safety reasons after the first rainy night of the storm. Um, yeah, this water... It rises high, but once it starts flooding, there's nothing we can do about it. It's, it comes in so fast, I don't even think most people can move their things in time. Early in the storm, many tents had already flooded. Travis Beck is the superintendent of parks for Santa Cruz. When I was down there uh, in the early afternoon, waters had risen to the edge of uh, where people were camping. The city did open up a temporary shelter during the storm. It was in a parking garage on the other side of the river from the Benchlands. Tim Bone, who lives in the Benchlands, decided not to use the shelter. He said moving all of his belongings in the thick of the storm just didn't make sense. I, I don't understand how you quickly haul my electronics and my bedding and stuff, and I'm supposed to, in the rain, haul it across the bridge over there or something. This just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, people in the Benchlands are returning to soaked tents and possessions. Whatever wasn't lost, to the river. For the California Report, I'm Jeremiah Edding in Santa Cruz. This time of year, monarch butterflies from all over the U.S. migrate to coastal California, especially to the small town of Pacific Grove in Monterey County.
But last year, no butterflies arrived in Pacific Grove. KAZU's Erica Mahoney reports that this year, it's been completely different. School children bursting with energy point out fluttering wings that shimmer against an overcast sky. Today we are on a field trip looking at monarch butterflies. Second grader McKenna Campbell-Yui is first in line when they get to look through a scope. It helps them spot the monarchs hiding in the trees. They look really cool and when we look in the periscope we can see them up close and they're all in a cluster hanging down like a vine. Field trips like this one from San Carlos School are filling the monarch sanctuary with happy faces once again. Caleb Schneider, who manages the sanctuary for Pacific Grove, remembers a lot of sad faces last year. The people who've been coming here every year, just their faces are lit up. The docents and our volunteers are much happier. There's a brightness to them that uh, I just didn't see last year during this time. That's because not one monarch butterfly showed up to the sanctuary last year. A stark contrast to just five years ago when monarchs were all over the sanctuary. The sanctuary, where trees tower over a walking path, is a special place in California known as an overwintering site. It provides just the right conditions for Western monarchs to stop and spend the winter during their migration from places like Washington, Oregon, and other Western states. Schneider worried about what the loss of monarchs would mean for Pacific Grove. The orange and black butterfly is the city's symbol. I'm sure a lot were thinking last year, oh, this is it, that's it, we're not gonna have butterflies in PG anymore. Might as well take it off the city logo. The Monarch theme is all over town. Next to the sanctuary is a bubblegum pink motel named Butterfly Grove Inn. And for over 80 years, a parade in October celebrates the Monarch's arrival. So far, more than 14,000 Monarchs have been counted in the sanctuary this winter. They are a species that have touched so many people's lives. Serena Jepson is with the Xerces Society for Invertebrate Conservation, which tracks the monarch population. The butterflies aren't just back in Pacific Grove. Unofficial tallies from the Xerces Society show more than 200,000 monarchs at overwintering sites in California. Jepson calls it an impressive number, an uptick compared to the last three years. That said, we need to see high numbers of monarch butterflies for several years in a row before we can be confident that we're seeing a recovery. The big question is, why did they come back? Scientists are looking into several possible reasons. While nothing is for certain yet, the Xerces Society points to changes in the climate. Monarch butterflies, like all insects, are influenced by their climate, the amount of rainfall and temperatures from the year prior. and that can really change their populations dramatically from year to year. One thing's for sure, climate change and habitat loss are definitely hurting monarchs. But they're getting some help from the federal government. A bill co-authored by local Congressman Jimmy Panetta was rolled into the Infrastructure Act that President Biden signed last month. The act includes funding for restoring monarch habitat along America's roadsides. Panetta has another bill called the Monarch Act, it's not law yet, but would support restoration of overwintering sites like Pacific Grove's Monarch Sanctuary. Sanctuary manager Caleb Schneider says a year-to-year -year response to our changing environment 
isn't enough to save monarchs. We really need to be thinking about these environments for the decades and centuries to come. The city's next move is to develop a long-term habitat management plan to make sure the sanctuary's perfect conditions for monarchs are preserved. For the California Report, I'm Erica Mahoney in Pacific Grove. And now to a preview of our sister show, the California Report's weekly magazine. This week, Valley Public Radio's Mari Bolaños takes us to Fireball, population 8,300 in Fresno County. The pandemic has hit Fireball hard, but this week, farm workers there gather to revive a holiday celebration that helps renew the bonds of community. About two dozen farm workers and their children dance to Aztec music wearing feathers on their headdresses and ayoyotes, or anklets festooned with hard shells that shake and clank with every step. Farm worker Maria Dolores Ramirez Martinez says she's so excited to participate in this year's celebration of Las Posadas, commemorating the journey of Joseph and Mary as they search for refuge and a safe place for her to give birth. She says she feels grateful to be able to dance again because last year they couldn't do it. Everyone was stuck inside, afraid to let their kids out during the COVID spike last year. Her oldest daughter, Arcelia Fuerte, agrees. To bring joy to the people because of COVID and all the lives that were lost, we just want to bring happiness to them to like, or with our dances. Father Reyana Pudota watches a float decorated with images of the Virgen de Guadalupe wind from the church, followed by a procession of about 200 people. People, you know, they have faith and they are longing because uh, for some time they missed this Eucharist in person coming in participation. It's the first time in a long time that residents of Fireball have felt hopeful. That's Maddie Bolaños of KVPR. She'll have more about the Las Posadas celebration in the farm worker community of Fireball on this week's California Report magazine. Listen to it on some NPR stations or find the podcast and ours wherever you get your podcasts. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com and that's the California Report for Friday, December 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Chris Hoff, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Holly J. McDeed and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a good day and weekend. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. 
the land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.